I'm going to open us in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this day. We're thankful for each person that's here. We're thankful that we can come here and lift your name and praises and hear your word. We just pray now, Lord, as we continue to study your word, that it helps us to uh, navigate the things of this life, Lord, the way that you desire us to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're in week two of our summer series, A Better Way, and what we're doing is we're taking negative traits and finding out what the better way is from the scriptures. Now today what we're going to do is we're going to find out a better way when we have a bad or negative attitude. So let me ask you a question. What's your attitude like? What's your attitude like? Do you have, would you say you have a good and positive attitude? Would you say it depends on the day or the situation? Uh, or would you admit... Uh, you have a bad attitude. Okay? You have a bad attitude. You're the type of person that just, you kind of have a bad attitude. This, it's all going on inside you. Maybe it's not coming out that much, but you kind of have a bad attitude. Well, let me tell you this. Uh, the people that you live with can tell you the type of attitude you have. The people that you live with can tell you the type of attitude that you have if you can't figure it out for yourself. So just ask them, okay, and they'll help you out. So defining attitude is this, a settled way of thinking or feeling about someone or something, typically one that is reflected in, per, in a person's behavior. So by definition, our attitude will affect our behavior. So I think we can all agree having a bad or negative attitude is not going to be helpful for us. So before we learn what the better way is and how to do it, what I want to do is I want to note six things that studies have found that are benefits of a good and positive attitude. Now, these are things the secular, unbelieving world has found. So let's look. I'll throw the list up here for you note-takers, and I'll make some comments on each one. A positive attitude betters our health. There's actually a link between stress and our health, and it has been researched, particularly the effects on the heart. And it's been discovered that people who have positive attitudes have improved heart health. The second thing is a positive attitude creates a more active mind. Your thinking also becomes more creative and constructive. Instead of merely seeing problems, you see challenges that push you to come up with solutions. Remember in Winnie the Pooh, Eeyore? Remember him? Okay. You know, he would be like, well, what are we going to do now? And the thing is that it's a negative attitude, so you don't push forward. A positive attitude breeds productivity. When you have a negative attitude and outlook, you tend to do the bare minimum and only are concerned with getting those things done. Now, however, a positive-minded person will push themselves to do and achieve more in life. You've probably noticed this like on like a micro scale, like in your house. Maybe you're organizing something. You organize like the junk drawer in your house, right? And then once you get that organized, you're like, oh, I'm going to move over here and organize this. Next thing you know, you're spending your whole winter organizing everything because you actually are more productive. A positive attitude equals better relationships. When we have a positive attitude, it helps us to navigate the relationships that we have better. We grow, we nurture them, instead of letting them stagnate and die. 
when we have a positive attitude, our emotions tend to follow suit. So when we have disagreements or issues in relationships, we are more inclined to offer positive reactions and seek to fix things rather than to react negatively and to the detriment of ourselves and other people. A positive attitude leads to happiness. Remember, this is the secular world. This is what they're saying. A positive attitude leads to happiness. People who think positively and react to things in a positive way rather than negatively tend to be happier. Uh, this is quite logical as a whole outlook on life is kind of different, right? If, you're, if, you're, if your outlook is the glass is half full rather than half empty, your outlook is going to be different regardless of the circumstances. They're also more likely to accept when things don't go their way and they could see this, the lessons learned in the negative. We see this in the scriptures, right? The Apostle Paul, when he was writing to the Philippians from jail and talking about joy, he wasn't letting his circumstance dictate his attitude. And then finally, a positive attitude leads to a more fulfilling life. The storms and tragedies of life still happen to positive-minded people, but when they do happen, they're mentally equipped to move past their issues and find purpose and fulfillment in those circumstances. So something bad happens, and they, they look at the positive rather than focusing so much on the negative. So now if the unbelieving world sees the benefit in a good and positive attitude, when we as believers have a bad or negative attitude, it is actually a bad example and a bad testimony to them. And it's actually unhealthy for us. So it's almost like saying this, like, I'm a Christian, but my faith doesn't really help me. I'm a Christian, but my faith doesn't really work. I'm a Christian, and it actually makes me miserable rather than happy and positive. So that's kind of what you're saying as a believer with a bad and negative attitude. So if you struggle with a bad or negative attitude, a better way is to have an attitude of Christ, the attitude of Jesus. So what was the attitude of Jesus, or really, what is the attitude of Jesus? So what I want to do is I want to look at four attitudes of Jesus, but we realize that, you know, Jesus's attitudes aren't limited to these four, but these are kind of like the top four that I believe breeds a positive outlook on life, a positive attitude. So when Jesus came to this earth, God in the flesh, these were his attitudes. The first is Jesus was loving. Romans 5.8 says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus loved people. There's no doubt about it. When you study the life and ministry of Jesus, he loved people. He loved people even though they offended him by sinning against him. He loved people that were ignorant of their wrongdoing, and he loved his enemies. So much so, this scripture tells us, the Apostle Paul tells us, he was willing to die in our place for our sins. I don't know if you realize this, but the scriptures actually teach us in Romans that because of our sin, we set ourselves up as enemies of God. And you might be thinking, I'm not an enemy of God. I just do things wrong sometimes. But the truth is, every sin that we commit actually is an offense to God, and we set ourselves up as his enemies. But God is so loving that he was willing to come to this earth 
and take on flesh and actually die in our place for our sins. The scripture says that he rose from the grave to prove that he is God. And, and, and the scriptures also teach us all who believe will have eternal life. So Jesus loves you and I so much that he was willing to die for us. That was his perspective. That's the way he looked at us. And so when he dealt with the sinners that he dealt with when he was on earth, he dealt with them in love. The second attitude of Christ is he was serving. Mark 10, 45, Jesus says of himself, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So kings or, and leaders usually desire to be served. But King Jesus came to serve us. The ultimate way he did that was dying for us, like this passage says. But when we look at the life and ministry of Jesus, it was a life of service. The miracles, take for instance the miracles that Jesus performed. Of course, every miracle brought glory to God the Father, but if you really study the miracles, they were to help and benefit other people. They were to help and benefit. They were to serve other people. People that were sick, he healed. People that were, you know, basically going the wrong way, he pulled them out of the way that they were going. The things that Jesus taught, when we look at his teaching, we see those things were designed to serve us and help us. We look at the Sermon on the Mount and we see all the things that Jesus taught. They were taught so that we could navigate this life. They were taught to serve us so that we can actually live a life that's pleasing to him. Jesus had an attitude of forgiveness. He was forgiving. Ephesians 4.32, Paul reminds us that. He says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. You know, Jesus came to forgive us. He had compassion on people. He realized that our deepest need is to be forgiven. You know, many people kind of gloss over that because we live in a culture now, right, that whatever you feel like doing is, is fine. Whatever's right for you is fine. So we're trying to cancel sin. In the cancel culture, we're trying to cancel out sin. But the truth is our deepest need is to be forgiven of our sin. Now, this is illustrated in, in the example of the woman that was caught in adultery. Remember that uh, account where a woman was caught in adultery? She was brought by the Pharisees, and they said, you know, the law says that she should be stoned, killed right in front of everybody. So Jesus realized, you know what? She didn't need a lesson that taught her not to run around on her husband. Okay, that's not what she needed. She needed to be forgiven. Her deepest need was her need for forgiveness. And you know what? In that culture, in that society, she probably thought that that was not possible for her. She probably thought, there is no turning back for me. This is not possible. No one would forgive me of this. But Jesus had an attitude of forgiveness and showed her how she could be forgiven as well. And finally, we have Jesus' attitude of obedience. Now, Philippians 2 is an interesting passage because it talks about how Jesus took on flesh and came, made his dwelling among us. He actually became human. And the, the scripture ends here and says this, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
Now, in God's economy, we realize this. Sin has to be paid for. This is why we see the sacrifice in the Old Testament. Maybe you're reading through the Old Testament, you're seeing all these offerings and sacrifices, and you're like, what's going on here? Well, it's because of sin. People had to sacrifice because of sin. So Jesus was the once-for-all sacrifice. There needed to be sacrifice for sin, and Jesus was obedient to the Father and was willing to be that sacrifice. So we see the struggle of that obedience when Jesus is praying in the garden before he was arrested. Remember that? He says, Father, if this cup can pass from me, meaning the cup of God's wrath that was going to fall on Jesus, he said, if this cup could pass from me, you know, pass it from me, but not my will, Father, your will. He was willing to be obedient. Now notice, all these attitudes are outward focused, right? They're outward focused. They're towards other people and towards God. Now, this makes sense because when we consistently are trying to live for ourselves, we start to get upset and jaded when things don't go the way we want them to go. And eventually, here's what happens. You start to have a bad and negative attitude. Has that ever happened to you? You try, you make this plan, you do this thing, you're like, this is the way I want this to go. This is how I want my needs to be met. And they don't get met, right? And then all of a sudden you have a bad and negative attitude. If anybody, you know, parented or is currently parenting when your kids are really little, you know, and and the kid that doesn't really like to go to bed at night, anybody ever have that? And you, as a parent, you just want this kid to go to bed. You want that time, right? And you're just putting that little kid that you love so much, right, to bed. And then they start crying, or then they get out, and you're like, right? And what happens, right? Your attitude shifts. So when we're loving others, when we're serving others, when we're forgiving others, when we're being obedient to God, we'll have the attitude of Jesus, which I would say is a positive and good attitude. But here's the catch. We're not Jesus, so how do we do this? Okay? Because when we look at these attitudes, we say, I mean, it was Jesus. (laughs) I mean, of course he's going to have those attitudes. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you some practical biblical steps to pursue the better way, which is the attitude of Jesus. The first practical step is this. Eliminate triggers. You know what a trigger is? Yeah. We all have triggers, things that bother us. And these things that bother us and make us negative, they make us have a bad attitude. Maybe some little things that people in your family do. Maybe you've asked someone in your family a hundred million times to do something and they haven't done it, right? And they keep on doing the same thing. I don't know what that's like, but I'm sure there's a lot of people out here that do. Maybe it's the little things people do at work, okay? Maybe there's that guy or gal at work that just really kind of bothers you, okay? They're a trigger, okay? They don't do what they're supposed to do. They make your job harder. Maybe it's your morning or evening commute. Maybe you get in your car, and that first person that does the first annoying thing on the road, which there are plenty of them, right, kind of puts you into this bad or negative attitude, So here's what happens. We ruminate on these things. The things that people said or the things that people did, we let it live in our mind 
It takes up our mental space. It actually takes up our time, and it makes us more negative. We end up with a negative and bad attitude because of everything that's going on in here and in here, right? I mean, when Jesus was talking about the Sermon on the Mount, he really talked about our heart. The reason why is it kind of dictates how we're going to act eventually. But you know what? Maybe it's not the things that happen in our everyday personal lives. Maybe you're just caught up in the fact that this whole world is messed up. Have you gotten caught up in that? This whole world is messed up, okay? And sometimes you purposely feed your bad and negative attitude. I've talked about this a lot in the last year or so, right? We have channels dedicated to giving you a bad attitude, okay? And we call it the news, right? And we basically watch and we read things that trigger us, okay? We get mad about it, okay? We see these things and we're like, ah, oh, and then this, and then this, this guy. I can't believe this, right? So by the time we leave the house in the morning, we're already in a negative mindset. We already have a bad attitude. These things trigger us. Well, Philippians 4.8 kind of tells us how we eliminate those triggers, and this is what it says. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So here's what you're going to do. To eliminate those triggers that you're thinking about, you're going to replace them with the things that are pleasing to the Lord. Thinking about those things, okay? That might be a radical shift in your life of what your intake is, of media, of any, of, of, you know, of the internet, whatever it is, okay? It might be a radical shift for you. What you choose to actually think about on the daily, so in order to have the attitude of Jesus, we need to set our mind on what pleases Jesus. Fill our minds with good, and it takes the space and pushes out the bad and negative that used to occupy what we thought about. But sometimes, you know what? We can't eliminate triggers because they're people, right? <laughs> so... <laughs> We deal with these people in our daily lives and our interactions with them make us negative. Maybe you have even a certain sense of anxiety when you're going to have to deal with certain people in your life, right? They're out there, aren't they? Okay, they might live under the same roof as you. They might work in the same place as you. They might go to the same school. They might be your friends, right? Okay, and they're the people that make you negative, or so you think they make you negative. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, we can't change people, right? But with the help of God, we can change the way that we act and interact with them. Jesus teaches us that through our actions, people will see who he is. So you and I can't change other people, but we can actually act and live in certain ways that can actually impact them. And maybe, just maybe, they'll see who Jesus is. So this is what Matthew 5.16, Jesus says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, 
so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So basically what Jesus is saying, is saying, listen, don't let the way they act dictate your attitude and your actions. You get that? Don't let them have the power to do that in your life. You are a believer. You are a follower of me. You need to act in such a way that when other people see you, they're like, huh, there's something different. And maybe, just maybe, your testimony will be a light to them. Which brings us to the next step, and that is this. Don't think like an unbeliever. Don't think like an unbeliever. Ephesians 4. Remember, Paul was in Ephesus. Remember, we studied this in Acts. Okay, and he was teaching all the people there about who Jesus is and what he's done. And he says this. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles or unbelievers do. In the futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Now, what Paul is saying here is, the unbelieving mind does not understand or agree with the things of God because their hearts are hard. And he's saying, hey, you guys used to be like that too. Do you remember that? I mean, some of you who became a believer in your adult life, you kind of remember how your attitudes were before you became a believer. Maybe you would even look at believers and be like, you like volunteer time and they don't pay you? Like... Isn't it a transactional relationship? Like you do something, they give you money. Or even worse, you give money to the place, okay? And you're like, what? you don't understand it. But then when you become a believer and you start to learn, you're like, okay, this is what God desires of me. This is how I'm supposed to serve others because Christ served me. So you see how what happens is, is Paul is saying, don't walk like you used to walk. Don't think like you used to think. In their ignorance, they can't fully understand it. In your ignorance, you didn't, but now you can. So here's what happens because of that. Because of their ignorance, because they can't fully understand the things of God, here's what happens. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as, taught as the truth is in Jesus. So what I want to do is I want to kind of break this down and take the first half. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. So here's what happens. Here's what happens when we think like an unbeliever or the way unbelievers think is they try to please themselves with sinful things of the world that are ultimately not fulfilling, it lets them down. And when we're let down, what happens to our attitude? It becomes negative. It becomes bad because we're trying to fill ourselves with things that will never fulfill us. So we're upset about it. Have you ever had this happen in your life? You're like, I really want this to happen. Or I really want to achieve this. And it happens. Or you achieve it and you're like, that wasn't so great. It wasn't so fulfilling. So then you realize, okay, I need to fulfill myself. 
I want that feeling of fulfillment, so you move from thing to thing. Well, if you're not a believer, you move from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing to thing to thing and down the line. Because you'll never find fulfillment apart from Christ. So Paul is saying, don't live like that. In fact, then he says, but that's not the way you learn Christ. Like I taught you this, remember? I was there with you guys. That's not the way. And then he says this, assuming that you heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. So he says, hey, listen, my assumption here is that you guys actually did believe. You're going to receive what my words are because you are Christians. But then he says this. So here's how the believer lives. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So now he's saying, here's what you need to do. You need to not think like an unbeliever. You need to put off your old self, which belongs to when you used to not be a Christian. Put that off. Put off your old self. Put on a new way of thinking. The way of thinking is to renew the spirit of your mind, to put on this new self created after the likeness of God. You are created now to serve and love God, to love and serve other people. So we need to think like a believer rather than thinking like an unbeliever. Because if you continue to think like an unbeliever, you're going to be like, this, this whole thing doesn't work. Okay? This Christianity thing, this Jesus-following thing, it doesn't work, and you'll be negative. So what do you think about? What are the things you should think about? Well, a believer should think about the purposes of God. Colossians 3.2 says, Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Now, does this mean we have to be like ultra-spiritual people? Like, I don't take in any media. I'm going to put my head in a hole and just pray. No, that's not what this is saying. What this is saying is, you know what? Don't pay so much attention to everything in the world. Remember when Jesus was talking about worry? What did he say? He said, you know what? Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Like, I'll take care of that stuff. You don't have to spend extra mental energy on that. Look at the birds of the air. The, the Father takes care of them. Don't worry about this stuff, okay? Don't pay too much attention, okay? Paul's teaching believers, don't get too caught up in the worries and cares of this world. This is what's going to happen. It's going to make you negative. It's going to make your attitude bad. Think about what God has you here for, how you should serve him, how you should serve others. You're thinking about his purposes. You're thinking about heaven. The fact that, you know what, when we look at this world and say, man, this world is really messed up, at least we know the truth about where our final destination is, about our heavenly home. See, when we spend our life thinking about the purposes of God, we start to live in those purposes. And when we do that, we actually find fulfillment. When we find fulfillment, our attitude is changed. We have a more positive attitude, a good attitude, the attitude of Christ. Listen to what Peter says. He says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, 
that you may proclaim the excellences of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. And that's an amazing verse when you think about it. He called us out of the darkness into the marvelous light. He saved us. We should be proclaiming the excellencies, what he's done. You know, the Christians should be walking around and be like, man, I'm so blessed by God. And it starts with my salvation. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was dead, but now I'm alive. I didn't know which way was up. But God saved me. He brought me out of the darkness and into the light. But not only that, he didn't stop there because he kept on blessing me. And we spend time thinking about the blessings that we have. Too much of our life is wasted by looking at the negative and spending time ruminating on the things that bother us. And I'm just as guilty. Part of the reason why I picked this topic was because I needed to hear this myself. And guess what? I got to hear it all week, okay? I got to hear it all week, not just for 30 minutes. So the truth is this. We need to be proclaiming what Christ has done how much we are blessed. You know, Christians, we should be the best people other people know. Okay? We should be the best people. We should be the kindest, the most loving, the most positive. We should be those people. If you're not, guess what? People are going to look at me like, yeah, you go to church, you're just miserable, okay? I don't know what they do there, but it makes you more miserable, okay? <laughs> so here's the thing. Think about the purposes of God. And the final step is this. Here's the thing. You all know this. I've said this a hundred times, at least in the last couple of years. And that is this. You can't do it on your own. Okay? You're not going to be able to do this on your own. So what do we do? We rely on the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus said. He said, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now, Jesus is talking directly to disciples, and this is part of the reason why we trust that we have the scriptures that we have, because the Holy Spirit actually guided the writers of the New Testament to remember all the things that Jesus said and did to record it for us today so that we could actually benefit from it. So he says, don't worry, the Holy Spirit's going to help you. Well, for you and I, we can easily slip into our old patterns of having a bad and negative attitude. We need help from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will help us. The more we know what Jesus taught, the more the Spirit will prompt us every day. That's why I'm always banging the drum of you got to study the Bible. You got to get into the Word. Why? Because here's what happens. You're at work. You're on the road. You're dealing with your family. And something happens. You're not like, wait, let me check in the Bible. See what I should do, okay? You're not like that because you studied. You know what you should do. And the Holy Spirit's giving you that little tap, right, to say, don't act like that. Act like this. Don't say that. Say this. And you know what? Sometimes, you know, if we're honest, we ignore what the Holy Spirit says, right? <laughs> well, I want to say this. This is what I should say. This is what they deserve to hear. But the Holy Spirit's like, uh-uh-uh. This is how you should live. Rely on the Spirit. You get up in the morning, you pray, you ask the Lord. The answer isn't try harder. The answer is pray, ask for help from the Holy Spirit. And when we get that help, we'll be able to live in that better way of having the attitude of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this day. 
We're thankful that you show us a better way in all the negatives, all the negatives that are in our lives. In this case, our attitudes. I pray, Lord, that we would have the attitude that you had when you came to this earth, that we would emulate the things that you did because your attitude was to love and serve and forgive and be obedient to our Heavenly Father. So I'm thankful for that. I pray a blessing on each one here that we'll be able to pursue those attitudes, the attitudes that you made an example of for us. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen.